Studies say up to 70%, I think it's more, of people suffer from imposter syndrome. That's that feeling like you're a complete fraud and one of these days people are gonna figure it out. We're gonna talk about the five types of imposter syndrome and how to overcome them on this morning's Coffee with Colleen. It doesn't matter how experienced you are, how much education you have. Sometimes you're in a position that where you feel like one of these days people are going to find out that I'm not all that and I'll be done. And then what? So it's called imposter syndrome. And there's an amazing book by um, Dr. Valerie Young on women and imposter syndrome. And it's this belief that you're inadequate, that you're not enough, that you're a failure despite evidence to the contrary in your life. You know how I'm always saying you are a survivor because you're here. You have survived something. You've gone through things and you, you lived to tell the tale that makes you a survivor. So, but why don't we believe that? Well, there's five different types. So it's just, and Val, Dr. Valerie Young calls it a hot mess of harmfulness. Well, you know, I love alliteration, so hot mess of harmfulness is kind of cool anyway. But it takes various forms depending on your background, your upbringing, your personality, the circumstances you're in, the type of job, the people who surround you. All sorts of factors come into play. So it can also um, be an idea of find, uh, people will find out are going to find out. So it's helpful to figure out what kind of imposter syndrome you kind of label yourself as. And there's five. And you'll find, as with a lot of things, that they will overlap, that you may be one more than another, or you may be a combination of three, or it may be like, you know, I'm an overachiever. I am all five types of imposter, right? So there's the perfectionist, the superhuman, the natural genius, the soloist, and the expert. So I'm going to break them down one by one and go through all of them <coughs> um, and how to determine which one you are and then what to do to overcome it. So number one, let's talk about the perfectionist. And the perfectionist, often if somebody suffers from perfectionism, it goes hand in hand with imposter syndrome. So think about it. Perfectionists always set high goals for themselves. And when they fail to reach those goals, they have set for themselves, not externally that other people have set for them, but the goals that they set for themselves. When they fail to reach their own expectations, they have this major self-doubt and they worry that they're not going to measure up. So it has nothing to do with what other people have said. So can you relate to that one? You can tend to be, is anybody a perfectionist? You can tend to be kind of a control freak because you want things done right. So you don't delegate because nobody can do it better than you can, right? So if you're not sure if this applies to you, ask yourself these questions. Have you ever been accused of being a micromanager? Do you have difficulty delegating? So if you do delegate, are you always breathing over somebody's shoulder or do you just let them go and say, you go do it, report back to me when you're done. That's me. I'm a total hands-off manager. And I trust people like if I give you an assignment, I trust you're going to do it. And if you have problems with it, you'll come to me. But at the end of the day, I want your report, you know, um, just to see where you are in the project and how I can help and, and where do we steer from there, right? So even if you delegate something, do you feel 
frustrated, disappointed in the results that people give you because it didn't quite measure up to your standards. I would have done better or I could have or what, you know. Um, and personally, when you miss the mark you've set yourself, which is normally insanely high, do you accuse yourself that I'm just not cut out for this? Do you feel like your work has to be 100% perfect 100% of the time? Do you always have to do A work? And I've talked about this before, that that's how I was raised. You do A work. What's this B doing on your report card? Yet yeah, forget the other six A's. What's with the B, right? Um, so for this type of the perfectionist, the imposter syndrome person, even when they attain success, they don't stop and celebrate that joy. They don't celebrate that win because they thought they could have done better. And that's not productive and it's not healthy. So if you, what happens is you end up into burnout. So if you want to avoid burnout, find that sense of contentment. Here are the things you need to do to overcome. Number one, learn to take your mistakes in stride viewing them as natural part of the process. And we're talking about this in the self-care series that, guess what? You're human. You're only human after all. And it's a natural part of the human condition is making mistakes. Uh, number two, to overcome this, push yourself before you're ready. Launch it, get it out there before it's perfect. So before you think it is, push it and, and get it out there. Next, Force yourself to start. There's people that get into the planning and the planning and the planning and the planning because they want it to be perfect the first time they do it. So if you force yourself to start before then, you'll actually get something done. Because the truth is, there's never going to be a perfect time. The lights are not always going to be green when you leave the house. You're going to run into some, some speed bumps and some red lights and some roundabouts and what, whatever. And your work is never going to be 100% flawless. I was really, so I was telling Janet this the other day, her and I on the phone. Um, I put this um, uh, ebook out called The Top Five Garments that you should have in your closet, right? So this is the top five garments every woman should own. And the subtitle, uh, Top 5 Garments is the title, subtitle, whichever women should own, right? And then it's like Byline by Colleen Hammond, and then even smaller letters below that, Image Consultant, right, right? So somebody sent me an email and said, there's a glaring mistake in your cover of your ebook. I was like, and that was it. I was like, okay, where's the glaring mistake? Because I looked at it and it was fine to me. Because <laughs> if you don't see the mistake the first time when you're looking at it, just because somebody says it's there, you still don't see it, right? So then I'm like, where? And she goes, um, look at, you know, then she replied, like, look at the byline or something like that. Or, But anyway, I missed the N in image consultant. So for her, because she's left brain detail oriented, I'm sure, she saw that as a glaring mistake that the N was missing. And I, she was right. There was a mistake and I fixed the mistake. I didn't think it was glaring, but I'm more of a right brain person. And I have learned to overcome my perfectionism. <laughs> so I really appreciated the feedback. And it just struck me funny because everyone's different that she used the word glaring. Now to me, glaring would have been top five and I spelled top wrong, or I spelled garments wrong, or something like that in the title, that would be glaring. That's when I would use the word glaring. To me, like a subtitle under my name isn't glaring, but for her it was. And those are the people I need in my life because I'll push stuff out there and it won't, and so it, 
I may not see it because of my right brainness. I'm looking at I'm looking at other things. I'm looking at color. I'm looking at the composition. I'm looking at rule of thirds. I'm looking at those types of things. And I didn't see that consultant was spelled wrong. So that's why you need these type of people in your life. But I just thought it was funny that she said glaring. And see, I'm backpedaling because, you know, she's probably watching and I, I don't want her to feel bad because I've really appreciated the, the, um, the uh, editing, you know. But um, and then, of course, it was my perfectionist that was like, dang, I made a mistake. I don't like making mistakes. So deep down inside, it's kind of like, ouch. That's why it's important to have, you know, you go girl people around you. Anybody can relate to that? Number two is the super person, superhuman, superman, superwoman. So these people are convinced they're phonies and everybody else is the real deal. Forgetting, of course, that everybody else suffers from the exact same thing, unless they're a narcissist. Then they, you know, so they push themselves harder than anybody else to measure up. But all this does, really what this is, it's a cover up for insecurities. Um, as a lot of these defense mechanisms are, they're just a cover up for our own insecurities. And it's, it ends up harming your mental health and it also harms your relationships because of, well, just let's get this into this. So let's ask yourself these questions to see if you're the superhuman. Do you stay later than anybody else? Even when you get the job done, even past that point, um, just to do the extra. Do you get stressed <laughs> if you're not working? You find downtime completely wasteful. People always laugh that I'm like a shark. I'm afraid if I stop moving, I'll die, you know, because sharks don't. Anyway, uh, number three, have you even left your hobbies and passions fall by the wayside and sacrifice them to be better at your work? Hobbies are so important and so crucial. We talked about, I put that article in that a couple of weeks ago in the Fabulous Friday newsletter about the importance of hobbies to keep those that balance. Number four, do you feel like you haven't truly earned your title despite like degrees and achievements and certifications that you have already earned? And do you feel pressed to work harder and longer just to prove your worth? So these are, you know, the superhuman is a workaholic, really. And they're addicted to the validation that comes from working, not the work that itself, not the job that they have accomplished. Do you know somebody like this? Who is like this in your life? Is this you or someone that you know? Are you married to this person, right? How to overcome. So you need to start veering away and recognizing the fact that you like the external validation for the work, working as opposed to for the work. Number two, recognize that nobody should have more power over you to make you feel good. That should be an inside job. Uh, even your boss, if your boss gives you the stamp of approval. I mean, that's nice. You want to do good work, but do good work because you have high quality standards for yourself, not that you expect something from somebody else. Learn to take, number three on the flip side, learn to take constructive criticism for what it is. Don't take it personally. Perfect example is missing the N in consultant. You know, I, it's something I did, that book cover I did. You know, I, I designed it myself. I did it myself. I did, you know, that. I didn't hire anybody, which we are looking for somebody right now. Anyway, um, so I took that seriously, but I didn't take it personally in a way it still kind of hurt because like it was the job that I did and I missed it and I was upset with myself for missing it but I didn't take her constructive criticism personally because it wasn't an attack on me 
She didn't know I did the cover. She probably thought that some graphic designer did it. I was. I was, <laughs> I was a graphic designer. Uh, number four, as you become more attuned to that, nurture your inner confidence so that you can ease off the gas pedal a bit. All right. Number three, the third type of person, rather, is the natural genius. These are people that believe it just needs to come natural. And they tend to be, uh, I'm not even going to get into the temperaments. Um, anyway, these people think that if it doesn't come naturally and they can't just do it naturally, then they must be a failure. So their competence is based on how easy and how quickly they can master something. Thinking that it should just come naturally. And if it doesn't, they feel a sense of shame. Talk, you know, read a lot of Brene Brown when it comes to shame. So they tend to set their internal bar impossibly high because they think everything should just come natural. And when it doesn't, they're like, oh, it should have come natural to me, right? And they judge themselves based on getting it right the first time. So even though they may have never have done this before, they feel that they should just be able to do it naturally. So ask yourself these questions. Are you used to excelling without much effort? Do things just come easy to you? Uh, do you have an, a record of getting straight A's or gold stars on everything you do? Were you told frequently as a child that you were the smart one in the family? Do you like d dislike the idea of having a mentor, a coach, or a counselor because you can handle it yourself? When you're faced with a setback, does your confidence tumble? And does not performing well make you feel embarrassed? Shame is a hard word, so I'll just say embarrassed. And finally, do you avoid challenges because it's so uncomfortable to try something you're not great at? So how to overcome this? To move past it, you have to understand that you're a work in process, a process and guess what? You're human, just like everybody else. Accomplishing things in life sometimes is a lifelong learning and skill building process. It's not going to come in a week, in a month, in a year. Sometimes it'll take your whole life. Uh, third, rather than beating yourself up when you don't do something, just analyze it from a left brain perspective and say, what behaviors can I change or improve over time? So for example, if you want to have more impact on those around you, it's better to like maybe you're not, it doesn't come natural for you to stand up in front of someone and talk or be on camera or make presentations. So rather than saying, I'm just not going to do it, it's not my thing, and be more productive to focus on honing your skills in that area, as opposed to just saying, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all. Guess what? When you first started learning to walk, you didn't do that perfectly either. The fourth type, so we've got two more to go. The fourth type is the soloist. This is a person who feels as though asking for help will re reveal their, their imposter syndrome, will reveal to everyone else that they're just a phony. So it's okay to be an independent, that's one thing, but not to the point where you refuse assistance from others or refuse asking others for help because you're feeling that if I do it on my own, I'll prove my worth. But then you're doing like an 80% job or a 70% job where if you had a little bit of input from somebody, you could be 
All right, so these are questions to ask yourself if you think you might be a soloist. Do you firmly feel that you need to accomplish everything on your own? Do you say things like, I can handle it, I don't need anyone's help? Do you frame requests for help in the form of the project needs this input from you as opposed to I need this from you? So you're not asking personally for help because you don't need the help, but the project needs the help or your boss needs the help or some, some external thing needs your help, not me. So do you ask in that way? All right, number five, the expert. The experts measure their competence based on how much or what they know or can do. And so they never feel like they know enough and they feel that they may be exposed as inexperienced or not knowing. So they're constantly taking classes and courses to learn more. Now there's, again, there's a difference between um, wanting to learn and having a thirst for learning and the person who feels that they have to know more, they have to be the expert in order to feel worthy. Okay, so think about this when you're, ask yourself these questions. Do you shy away from applying for a position unless you make every single solitary requirement? Number two, are you constantly seeking training or certifications because you think you need to improve your skills? Number three, even if been, you've, even this is true, even if you've been in your role for some time, can you relate to feeling like you still don't know enough? You may be doing this for years. I've been an image consultant for almost, what, over five, 40 years, and I still feel like I need to know more. Uh, do you shudder when somebody says you're the expert? Oh, I'm not. There's people who know more than me. Yeah, like who? <laughs> so how to overcome this? Again, you're never going to, you're never going to know it all. You always want to have that thirst for knowledge and for education and for learning. That's what keeps you young. So striving to bulk up your skill set will help you in your personal growth and in your professional growth and that type of thing. But if you take it too far or you want to endlessly seek out more information before you start, this ties in with perfectionism. I have to learn more. I have to learn more. No, just, you know, it's what my mother Angelica used to say. It's, um, blind, you know, faith is, you know, getting to opening a door to go down into the basement and there are no lights and you're taking that step out and you're take your, you have the faith that the staircase is there. So taking a stride knowing that, yeah, I might not have it all, but it'll be, it'll be okay. Number two, start practicing just in time learning. That means acquiring a skill when you need it. Okay. This week, I don't need to know that. That'll, I'll need to know that in three weeks, so I'm not going to worry about that until then. I'll do this. Sometimes I'll get a course because it's on sale or at any known time. I don't have time to do it right now, but I know in three months I'm going to need that experience and I want to have that available to me or that book. If somebody mentions a good book, I don't have it. I have it on my nightstand, um, but I haven't read it yet because I don't quite need it just yet because I need to focus on this and what's in front of me right now. So practice just in time learning. Third, realize there's no shame in asking for help. None whatsoever. Actually, it's just the opposite. It's a sure sign of narcissism and arrogance when you refuse to ask for help. 
And sometimes we just need to have somebody to talk to. And two heads are always better than one. Six heads are always better than one. And being able to bounce those ideas around are, are super important. That's why team, <laughs> there is no I in team, right? Unless you look at the capital A, if you've ever seen that meme. So if you don't know how to do something, it's best to seek advice from a supported supervisor, a coworker, a counselor, your, your pastor, uh, your mom and dad, a best friend. You have to be careful with best friends because sometimes they tell you what they think you want to hear. So sometimes it's good to have an outside influence. And number four, mentor. Mentoring other people will help you realize that you know more than you realize. You know more than you think you do. Volunteering and, and doing things that way. So when you share what you know, it not only benefits the people around you, but it helps you heal those inner feelings of being a fraud or an imposter. So I hope those ideas were helpful for you. Just take, take today as an opportunity to accept and embrace yourself, who you are right now at, that, at this moment, and that who you are, when you are doing just the best that you can right now today to get through the day, that's enough. Just doing what you can with the moment right now, it's enough and that's okay. And you may not be able to give it your all because you've got other things going on, but you are doing the best you can with the circumstances that have been presented to you. What you are, who you are, and what you're doing is enough. I hope that was helpful for you and I appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you so much and make sure that you like, comment, and you know, if you don't agree, tell me. If you, if you think it's the best advice ever, I'd like to hear that too. <laughs> but if you disagree, you know, people who disagree are actually a little bit more uh, uh, apt to uh, let you know that they disagree with you. Um, but let me know uh, below and uh, I would love to have a conversation and a dialogue with you. And if you're a member of the Cafe Club, of course, all the notes from this show will be inside your members area, including any bonuses. And if you're not familiar with the Cafe Club, the link is in uh, the uh, comments and you can get more information by going there. And I'm not going to get into all those details. All right. Thanks for joining us. Take care. God bless. We'll see you next time.